And uh, tomorrow, as, as we've heard, February is here, February 1st. And it is going to be an amazing month for us. Mitch and I have some fabulous announcements to make in about three weeks. In two weeks, Carol and I are going to be sharing the pulpit together as we talk about our vision for this year. And uh, as Mitch said, next week, we are going to be blown away at our year in review of what your consistent, faithful, inconvenient missions giving has done all year all over the world. But tomorrow, on the 1st of February, we begin our 21-day fast as imaginations. The Bible teaches us that there is amazing power when we corporately pray and fast. Fasting is another one of those inconveniences. The dominion of darkness has no answer for a praying and a fasting church. The dominion of darkness is not able to withstand hundreds of people praying and fasting together. We read in Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6, about the external things that happen when we fast. There are internal things. In other words, there are things that happen in my own heart, in my own world, in my own soul while I'm fasting. But in the book of Isaiah, we find out what happens outside of my world, the, the power that fasting brings upon the world outside my own life and my own heart. We learn that fasting, number one, looses the bonds of wickedness. We learn that fasting unties heavy burdens. We learn that fasting sets the oppressed free. And we learn that fasting breaks the yoke of bondage. That's the external power. That's what happens in the lives of people we know and love. That's what happens around us when we fast, let alone what God wants to do in us while we fast. In Matthew 17, 19, Jesus has come down from probably what was Mount Hermon. He'd been up there on the transfiguration and and the power of God and Moses and Elijah were there. And as they come back down into uh, Caesarea Philippi, they find the disciples there who have had this encounter with the power of darkness that they've not been able to prevail against. And they're, they're just confounded. So we read in verse 19, later the disciples came to him privately and asked him, why couldn't we cast the demon out of this little boy? Why couldn't we get the breakthrough? If you remember the story, Jesus comes down and there's a father there with his child and this child has been thrown into the water and thrown into the fire and his disciples are, you know, doing everything they can to break the yoke of bondage, to let the oppressed go free, to lift the heavy burden off this family and yet for some reason they just were not able to do it and they were perplexed. And Jesus says in verse 21, this kind of demon is cast out only through prayer and fasting. The power that prayer and fasting has on the world around us, the world that we see, and even the spirit realm world that we do not see. How powerful is it when someone prays and fasts? How powerful is it when hundreds of people join together and pray and fast? Fasting brings our faith to a focus, 
focused faith, like light when it's focused, how powerful it becomes. Focus is a great word right now because God knows the last year that we have lived in is a year of total distraction and disruption. Focus right now is not a bad thing. Fasting focuses your faith. And it focuses our faith. We read in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2, set your minds on things that are above, not on things on the earth. In other words, the apostle is trying to get us to focus. And we read it this way in the message. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Nothing helps us set our affections on things above. Nothing helps us to lift our eyes to where the action is all around us like fasting does. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18, for we fix our attention. That's what fasting does. For we fix our attention not on the things which are seen. I don't care what channel you're looking at. Not on the things which are seen, but on the things which are unseen. What can be seen lasts only for a time, but what cannot be seen lasts forever, and we fix our eyes on those things. And this is what we're going to do tomorrow for 21 days. We are going to fix and focus our faith, not on the temporal, but the eternal. Not on the earthly, but on the heavenly. Not on the seen, but on that which is unseen. And what makes this even more powerful by an exponential factor is that we're going to do it corporately. Together. We fast together. Hundreds of us fasting together. Jesus said in Matthew 18 and verse 19, I say to you that if two of you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. The message version, when two of you get together on anything at all on earth and make a prayer of it, my Father in heaven goes into action. Our Father in heaven goes into action when his church on earth goes into fasting and praying. Now last year, we introduced something brand new, something I'd never heard of or read about, but one day there in the scriptures, it just, I saw it very, very clear, we introduced the Cornelius fast. We've been doing the Daniel fast, which is a very powerful, very uniting fast. And we have done that many times uh, for our annual fast. But last year we talked about the Cornelius fast and that we've entered, I think as a church, a, a new season fasting this way as a Cornelius fast. Now Cornelius was a Roman centurion and he was stationed at Caesarea Maritama, which is on the coast, on the Mediterranean Sea where that other encounter happened with Caesarea Philippi, which is up north at the foot of Mount Hermon. 
And we read this in Acts chapter 10 and verse 1. There was a centurion, I beg your pardon, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man, and one who feared God with all his household, his family as well, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always about the ninth hour of the day. What is the ninth hour of the day? The ninth hour is nine hours from dawn. So about the ninth hour of the day, three o'clock, about three o'clock in the afternoon, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming into him and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid. And he said, what is it, Lord? And so he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up as a memorial before God. Now, send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. So when Peter arrived, this is what Cornelius said to him in verse 30 of Acts 10. He said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour, this three o'clock in the afternoon hour. I was fasting till three in the afternoon and I prayed in my house and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. So Cornelius did not eat until three in the afternoon. Instead of eating breakfast and lunch, he was praying and seeking God. Four days later, he gathers his family and his friends into his house and anxiously awaits the arrival of Simon Peter, the apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter steps into that Gentile house. First time he's ever done anything like that in his life. He steps into that house and he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. He preaches the resurrection. He preaches the gospel of forgiveness to every man and every woman. He preaches the cross and the blood. Peter preaches this in this Gentile house to Cornelius' family and his friends. And while Peter is speaking, the Holy Spirit falls on those Gentiles. And his family and his friends are brought to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. Now, what happens when you don't eat until three o'clock in the afternoon? Truthfully, what happens is we get hungry. Hunger is the primary goal of fasting. I'm not really fasting until I'm hungry. But I don't want to be hungry. I don't like to be hungry. I avoid hunger. I don't do hunger. Hunger is hard. Hunger is very inconvenient for me. We associate hunger with starvation. And starvation is not a good thing. But fasting is not starvation. When people are starving, they have no options. They want to eat, but they can't. Fasting 
is voluntarily not eating, knowing that I can eat anytime I want to, but I choose not to. I choose to be hungry. Now I want to share with you some real personal thoughts that I've been thinking over the last few months as I walk in the mornings and been thinking about hunger, fasting, thinking these thoughts and just writing down things, uh, thoughts I've never thought before, wrote down things I've never written down before. And I want to share some of my personal thoughts with you as I've been walking and talking with God and thinking about being hungry. So, few thoughts from my heart. First thought is this. My life is more than food. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 25, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat. And then he says, is not life more than food. My life is much more than my next meal. Even though I start thinking about it as soon as I've finished the last one. I do not live to eat. I eat to live. And this is what Jesus teaches us. This is what he says in Matthew chapter 4, Verse 4, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. Man shall not live for bread. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. My life is more than food. In 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31, we read this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. For the glory of God. It's so easy in a satiated and satisfied nation and culture. It's so, it's so easy to, to just eat and drink for my own delight. Instead of for the glory of God. And then we read in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 19. And I'll read it from the message. Easy street is a dead end street. Those who live there make their bellies their God. Belches are their praise. All they can think of is their appetite. My life is more than food, my life is more than comfort. My life is more than my appetite. And God has not called me to live on easy street. Or you either. Another thought that I've been thinking about hunger, about being hungry. And that is this. Good things come to the hungry. This is what we read. Now, I'm not talking about people who are starving. You understand? You understand? That's not what I'm talking about. But good things come to the hungry. Psalm 107 and verse 9 
says, for God satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. He fills the hungry, the hungry with good things. God is not seeking to satisfy the satisfied. God is seeking to satisfy the hungry. Not the satisfied, not the gratified, not the satiated and the placated. Welcome to church in the 21st century. It's the hungry he fills with good things. The best things in life come when you're hungry. When you're hungry for God. When you're hungry for revival. When you're hungry for souls. When you're hungry for change. When you're hungry for your children to know Jesus. When you're hungry for a move of God, when you're hungry for justice to prevail. He fills us, he satisfies us, he satiates us when we are hungry. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, blessed are those who hunger. Blessed are those who hunger. They will be filled. If you will make yourself hungry, God will make himself strong on your behalf. My life is more than food. And good things come to the hungry. Another thought. Hunger energizes me. Hunger is a life force. Hunger is basic to my design. I'm supposed to get hungry. My goal is not to avoid hunger, but to embrace hunger. Not to evade it in my life, but to involve it and to invite it and to include it into my life. What if Esau had embraced his hunger instead of selling his birthright for a bowl of beans? We would have a different Bible. If he said, I'm hungry, but I'm meant to get hungry. I'm, I'm strong when I'm hungry. I'm, 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 I'm okay. I'm okay. Instead of saying, oh, no, my God, I avoid hunger at all. Oh, no, give me the bowl of beans. And you can have my birthright. Hunger is what makes me a warrior. Hunger is what makes me pursue God. Hunger makes me feel alive and alert and aware and acute and astute, and yet I spend so much of my time trying never to go there. Hunger is a blessing and a benefit. Hunger is a gift and a grace. When a lion is hungry, he is dangerous. The devil does not want me hungry or dangerous. 
The devil wants me full, content, drowsy, and lethargic. Satisfied and satiated is for sleeping. When I'm hungry, my blood is in my brain. And when I'm full, my blood is in my stomach, digesting all that good stuff. Hunger makes me lean and keen. Hunger is a friend, not a foe. I cannot achieve what I want to achieve, and I cannot become what I want to become without the help of hunger. Jesus stepped into the wilderness for 40 days and embraced hunger as a catalyst to his ministry. And the Bible says, and he returned in the power of the Spirit. Hunger puts you on the cutting edge and gives you the advantage over the adversary. The Holy Spirit is my comforter, not food. I can be healthy and happy and hungry all at the same time. Being hungry is what gives fasting its power. And so this year, Starting tomorrow, I'm talking about us having a hunger fast. Not a starvation fast, a hunger fast. And so what does that fast look like for us, for the hundreds of us who have a yes in our heart to fast together as a church family? And those watching online, joining us, some joining us from other nations. What does it look like? Well, a Cornelius fast is a fast where we don't eat any food till three o'clock in the afternoon, unless you can't make it, and then two o'clock in the afternoon, or one o'clock in the afternoon, or 12 o'clock, or 8.30 in the morning, but tomorrow we try to get to nine o'clock. And hopefully by the end of 21 days, we're to three o'clock, and we didn't die. The focus of a Cornelius fast, the focus of this fast, the purpose of this hunger. See, hunger is this inside thing that literally affects the spirit world around me and the natural world around me. And while this rumbling and grumbling is going on in here, there's rumblings taking place around me in the spirit realm. I am literally affecting what's happening in the spirit realm with my own hunger. And so the goal of our fast over the next 21 days, the focus is family and friends who are unchurched and who don't know Jesus. And we want them to know Jesus. And we want them to know Jesus so much. I can remember how desperate I was years ago as a single young man in the military for my mother's salvation. I was so desperate for her to be saved. And I just had this overwhelming sense that maybe because I was stationed overseas in Europe and I hadn't seen her in a very long time, I just had this sense of my mother and the thought of her dying without Jesus just overwhelmed me. 
And I can just remember being that so desperate that I fasted for three days without food or water while I was on maneuvers, carrying backpacks and digging trenches for three days and three nights with no food and no water. And you would say, well, you're, you're crazy. You're an idiot. I was desperate. And I know today my mother's in heaven. Now, I didn't work or earn her salvation. Jesus did. But I want you to know his love for her was on me. And what he laid down for her is a thousand times more than what I could ever lay down for her. But I felt like I did what I could do. So our goal is to fast over 21 days and get as many people as possible, like Cornelius, into our home, our family, our friends, our neighbors, to get them into our homes in the evening. And not only into our homes, but into the connect groups, into the homes of our fellowships and our connect groups, and get people in our homes for fellowship and friendship and meals together. We're going to eat today. It's just going to be at the end of the day. Fasting for them in the day and fellowshipping and feasting with them in the evening. You know, at the end of Cornelius' fast, what happened to his home and his family changed the world. His life was changed. His family and his friends were changed. And they became the first Gentiles to ever receive the gospel of the Lord Jesus and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, who should do this fast starting tomorrow? Well, I understand that not everyone can do this. Not everyone's lifestyle or health will permit it. And no one should fast without a doctor or medical expert's approval. This fast is for those who can and those who will. Those who can't are released and free to do whatever they feel they should do or could do. What I'm going to do is not eat any food until 3 o'clock in the afternoon and only through the day drink water and black coffee. And whatever you decide to do is fine. Probably not milkshakes. But how powerful would it be tomorrow if hundreds of us wake up in the morning on a 21-day fast? How powerful would it be tomorrow? How wonderful would it be to see Imaginations Church, who probably on our rolls has close to 1,500 people. How powerful would it be, not just for us in our own life, in our own soul, in our own disciplines, Embracing the power of hunger, the, the discipline in our own self, knowing I'm going to eat a little later. But how powerful would it be what happens around us? Now, everyone is free to vary this in any way you feel appropriate. But I am asking you to do what I ask you to do every year, these five things. I'm going to ask you to fast until 3 o'clock in the afternoon, however you feel you can. And I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm going to ask you to fast five things. I'm going to ask you to fast till three. I'm going to ask you to pray for your family and your friends and your neighbors. And I'm going to ask you to read our daily devotion. Carol and, and Craig uh, Marr from Melbourne and, and, uh, have put together, and Melissa have put together a wonderful, uh, fresh, insightful uh, uh, devotion. I just downloaded it just now on YouVersion Bible. Isn't that cool? Went to YouVersion Bible. There was our 21-day fast devotion. I just downloaded it, and I'll start reading it with you 
tomorrow. Or you can pick up a hard copy if you're in the building or go online. Read the devotion with us every day. Hundreds of us together praying and fasting. Hundreds of us together reading our devotion every day. And I'm going to ask you to attend, number four, I'm going to ask you to attend a connect group. Attend a connect group. And number five, I'm going to ask you to open your home for a meal, for a friend, a neighbor. Open your home for a meal. The Bible says, and I close with this, in 1 John 3, 16, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us. We also ought to lay down our lives. In other words, as I read this, here's here's what I'm reading. This is how we know love. He laid down his life for us. This is how we show love. We lay down our life for others. That's what I did on that fast for my mother. I was showing love. This is how we know love. Because he laid down his life for us. And I believe this is how we show love. Especially over the next 21 days, we are going to lay our lives down in some form, some fashion, some way for others. Through fasting, through praying, through focusing our faith. Come on, let the lions in this house begin to roar. When your stomach starts growling, you just stand up and start roaring. Because what you and I are hearing is one thing, but what's being heard in the unseen realms is another thing. Amen. Amen.